0: this is Kyle here. I, real quick, just wanted to hop in before we get into this episode and apologize for the sound quality. That is all me. I was just so excited to be in the moment with Cassidy and talking about the movie that I never plugged in the microphone. So I want to just let you know this is not a representation of the quality of the podcast and the continued quality of the podcast. It was a simple error on my part. So I hope you can make it through. It's a great episode. I hope you give it a chance. So without further ado, let's dive into things.
1: Two men and their daughter, approached by four strangers and forced to make an impossible choice. Will they save the world that has been so cruel to them, or will they save their family?
0: Everybody, welcome back to the side of franchise. Yes, that was a different voice that you heard. That was not mine, that was the very lovely
1: Cassidy Boogie Shoes Turgeon.
0: And I am your host, (laughs) Kyle Humanity Has Been Judged, Clifford. And today, we're doing a special episode. I know on this podcast, we do obviously, as the name entails, franchises, but I figured we'd break it up every so often and add in. An extra episode here and there, so you guys don't have to really listen to me ramble about the same movies over and over again. I love the Rocky franchises, I love doing this podcast, but I also understand as an audience, you can only listen to me talk about Rocky so many weeks in a row. So this week, I have decided that we're going to record what I like to call the Date Night Special.
1: Date Night special
0: totally organic. We did not practice that. I just came up with that on the spot and she just followed my lead. Oh my God. So this is my girlfriend. And I decided that whenever we go out to see a movie, we should probably record and talk about it. And this was especially hard because after movies, Cass and I like to go hard, more like I like to go hard. And she just kind of listens to me with a confused look on her face. But this time was difficult because we decided we were going to watch the movie and then not talk to each other about the movie until we recorded this episode. When did we watch the movie?
1: We watched the movie last night.
0: What time did we watch it? 4 p.m. What time is it now?
1: It is currently 10.30 a.m. The The next day. day.
0: (laughs) So it's been killing me to have to hold all this back. Because I have a lot I want to say on this movie. And before we get into it, I am going to run down kind of how this is going to work. In case you haven't listened, this is going to be a different episode than what we've done before. We're going to talk about the trailers we saw. And then we're going to move into our thoughts and feelings on the movie, grades, and then special section. Instead of let's over analyze, we're going to talk about the book. Because if you don't know, this is based on the book Cabin at the End of the World by Paul G. Tremblay. If you haven't read it, I highly suggest it. If you haven't or you have, definitely still stick around and listen to the ending because I have read the book and I'm going to discuss some of the things that M. Night Shyamalan changed. Also, from this point on, I want you to know there will be spoilers. I'll do my best to put in the description in the timestamps, look below, where there is a spoiler section and then the end of the spoiler section, okay? And we're going to do our best to try to not spoil it, but it's impossible to talk about this movie and the differences between the book and the movie without spoiling it.
1: I would also just like to say that me and Kyle watch movies very, very differently. <laughs> he is always, always over-analytical <laughs> and has a thought about every single thing that happens in the movie meanwhile usually he asks me at the end of the movie so what'd you think and my response is usually i liked it <laughs> there's been very very few movies that i've watched and haven't liked so just know that you're getting very two different sides right now <laughs> we
0: are two sides of the same coin one might say because yeah it's <laughs> true we'll watch a movie and i'll be like that was abysmal and then i'll go on a 10-minute rant and Cass will just sit there and take it and then at the end she looks at me and she goes i liked, I liked it, it. <laughs> I think the most, like, what, the one that stands out the most to me is Firestarter, the remake was the Stephen King book. I've read the book, I watched the original, and then they remade it with Zach Efron. And every 10 seconds, I was like, they didn't do that. This isn't how this went. Like, they just changed everything. And at the end of it, I gave, you know, my assessment, and Cassidy goes, hey, I haven't read the book. I haven't seen the original. I liked that movie. The only thing I didn't <laughs> like was you talking through it. So that's kind of where we stand on things. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into our trailers. Now, when we go to the movies, I like to get there. Like what? 30 minutes early.
1: (laughs) That's generous.
0: (laughs) I like to get there as soon as humanly possible. If I could camp out the night before, I would. But it's because I'm super... I don't like watching the trailers. I just wish that they would, like, flash on the screen a 20-second little synopsis and, like, the title of the movie. And the reason for that is because, as I've told Cass, (laughs) trailers are too long. And I'm going to count off how many trailers we had. Are you ready? We had one, two, three... Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten trailers. How long were we in the theater watching trailers?
1: Minimum thirty minutes.
0: I kept looking at my watch and tapping it and showing Cass.
1: Twenty <laughs> minutes. Twenty-five minutes. Thirty
0: minutes. And it was obviously just very annoying to have to sit through all these trailers because they sh- the trailers are too long. They show everything. I could see the I called the ending to like three or four movies that I guarantee they showed the ending in the trailer like. Just a quick little synopsis on what a movie should be. That's all it should be. We're gonna play a game where I'm gonna read the trailer title, and then Cass is gonna tell us watch or skip. Are you ready?
1: And don't take any of this seriously. If you actually want to watch the movie, watch the movie because I am not. I'm not a good judge of good movies. So.
0: <laughs> I'd also like to point out we did a little preview of this with like two or three movies, and she said watch them all. So I'm confident <laughs> she'll say watch them all. So the first trailer. Was John Wick chapter 4? Watch. Boogeyman, the Stephen King story. Watch. Oppenheimer. Reminder. Oppenheimer was the one where they are basically making the nuclear bomb. The trailer is very confusing. So in the trailer, we basically see the man who created the nuclear bomb, Mm -hmm. and it's the story of how the nuclear bomb was made.
1: Oh, yeah, pass. Pass, on pass that yeah.
0: One. I, I was watching that trailer, and I kept, like, <laughs> looking over you the corner of my eye, and I'm pretty sure I saw your eyes just gloss over for, like, a solid turn minutes. You were like, no, I'm good. <laughs> uh, next up was Bo is Afraid, the new Ari Aster movie. Pick carefully.
1: So I'm actually going to pass on that <laughs> one, and I know that's going to kill him, but it just looks too artsy to to like i'm gonna be confused the whole time
0: what's my, what's one of my favorite movies of all time
1: hereditary yes
0: <laughs> what's a close what's what's probably like a top 20 movie in my opinion
1: Midsommar. yes
0: both Ari aster films <laughs> I,
1: like, I like hereditary i've never seen Midsommar. i like hereditary mm-hmm. but watching the trailer for Bo is afraid it just kept flickering between all these different scenes and i was like what what the fuck is happening yes
0: that's and mostly, I don't
1: like feeling like that in a movie.
0: That's mostly what Ari Aster is and does. Like, what is happening right <laughs> now? I, I understand what you're saying. There's a lot happening in the trailer. It skips from piece to piece to piece a lot. And you can't really get what the movie's about, basically. Mm-hmm. But I kind of like going in, not knowing. I, know, I think that movie yeah. did a good job showing, like, without telling you what the plot is. Yeah. Next up, we saw the trailer for 65 with Adam Driver. Watch. Jurassic Park with. Futuristic weapons, essentially. I'm there, and Adam Driver, like... I'm in. <laughs> Cocaine bear.
1: You know, you gotta watch that one. You gotta watch that one just to see. It looks interesting, lots so of being like not very serious yeah. at all.
0: <laughs> I'm excited because there's a scene where the bear comes out of the closet, and it looks really freaky because it is emerging from the the darkness. Mm-hmm. But the guy just slowly closes the door, turns around, and goes, "I think we should leave." <laughs> <laughs> So it's a movie you don't take very seriously, but you have to watch. Polite Society. Watch. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) And we will watch it. I'm sure we will. My only gripe is that it's basically Get Out, but action and comedy. And I am good. I'm all set. I've seen Get Out. I don't need it in any other form. (laughs) Um, Scream 6.
1: I mean, obviously, we're going to watch that going to watch Scream 6.
0: This is a franchise podcast. I kind of have to watch John Wick and Scream 6 at some point. (laughs) But I'm a huge Scream fan. I just don't like the runtime. It's two hours and three minutes. Mm -hmm. Renfeld.
1: Can I get a reminder on that one as well?
0: Dracula's henchman. Is basically trying to
1: escape Dracula. I knew you were Uh,
0: saying. I'm not a huge fan of vampires in general. It was Nicolas Cage, it was Dracula. (laughs) Yeah, I I get what you're driving at. I'm gonna watch it because I like (laughs) Nicolas Cage, but I understand where you're coming from. Last but not least, another franchise edition that I'll have to cover at some point Evil Dead Rise.
1: What? That one looked really, really freaky, creepy.
0: I've tried to show Cassidy the original Evil Dead. She refuses to watch it because it's from the 70s and she doesn't want to watch any, maybe the 80s, I can't remember, but she won't watch anything that's filmed like before 2006 unless I beg and plead. (laughs) She just won't. And this one actually is, what's interesting about this is they come, the the original creators come back for this one. So that's exciting. And you've seen the remake Mm -hmm. with the sister who has addiction. They take her to the cabin. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, those were our trailers, 10 trailers, no less than 30 minutes worth. I think it kind of maybe in the moment swayed me to like really be upset with most of these movies. Where I was like, I'm not fucking watching that. because I just wanted to get to knock at the cabin. But in hindsight, now that I've had a few hours to just kind of like end a nap, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, oh, I- I'm a hype that we got to see all those trailers. <laughs> so in this next section, we are going to jump into spoiler territory. I just want to give you guys a heads up. I'm not saying we are going to spoil, but there is a chance. If we are about to spoil something, I will put it in the timestamps, I promise you, and I will say out loud, hey, spoiler. But without further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump into our thoughts and feelings on this movie. My name is Leonard.
1: Well, it's nice to meet you.
0: Why are you here?
1: I suppose I'm here to make friends with you and your dad's too. But my heart is broken.
0: Why is it broken?
1: Because of what I have to do
0: today. So this section, as I have already stated, is just our thoughts, our overall feelings on the movie. We're not going to do positives or negatives. We're just going to have a little conversation about it. And Cass has pointed out to me that I'm not sure if I've said the title of the movie, which <laughs> you know might have happened. It might but be we, important. We are covering, just in case I haven't, we are covering Knock at the Cabin, which is M. Night Shyamalan's newest film, and based on the fantastic book by Paul G. Tremblay, Cabin at the End of the World. So, let's just kind of get started. How did you feel about the movie? What did you think?
1: I liked it. <laughs> That's our assessment. Uh, just a callback, just a back to the beginning. But, no, it was honestly, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good movie. It kept me entertained. I was on the edge of my seat wondering what was going to happen. Honestly, some really good characters in the movie. I liked it a lot.
0: I agree with that. How did, they, did you feel this movie built up tension at all? Like, were you like nervous or absolutely. tense or scared at all during this movie
1: absolutely yeah
0: there were moments where like we were holding hands at one point and there were moments where like you were squeezing my hand and I was squeezing ears because this movie does it does have moments of like heightened uncertainty of what's happening and you know my my shoulders are kind of up a little bit in a few scenes mm-hmm. and i think the the most chilling thing about this movie is it just dives right in and the way the mm-hmm. story is told was nice
1: yeah i literally was watching the movie and i was like wow i'm like They're really getting right into it. I was like, how are they going to make this movie last?
0: An hour and 43. When
1: the first 10 minutes, you're meeting all of the characters. Every single character is coming into play in the first 10 minutes.
0: Literally, I'm pretty sure within the first 20 minutes, you have met every character. You have, spoiler alert, met the characters. You've met or understood what the plot is going to now be about. And this movie just jumps right in and goes straight for the jugular. It's not trying to hold anything back.
1: I mean, when did they kill the first character? 25 minutes?
0: Yes, yeah, so they killed the first character 20, yeah, probably 25, 30 minutes in. And everything moves somehow to me both extremely fast and slow. And that's mm-hmm. one thing I kind of didn't like was that I think the pacing was a little off. I liked when we had flashbacks because this movie does a really good job of just jumping right in. And it's like we're going to lay everything out, all of our cards on the table right in front of you. No hiding anything. And then we get flashbacks as to like how this situation might have come, where these two men came from, their daughter when, and how they got her, how they adopted her, got her like she's a fucking puppy, like how they adopted <laughs> her. And, but my, my issue was that like this movie just stalled the momentum every time it built it up. And to me, spoiler alert again, when they kill one of the characters and Dave Bautista's character, Leonard, runs out of the room and vomits, first of all, I would have liked to actually have seen... I'm one of the guys that like at least show me one of the blows Maybe two. You don't have to show me the whole thing. You don't have to get gratuitous with the horror and the, and the gore. I didn't like that they the two women smacked Rupert Grint's head in.
1: Oh, Rupert Grint. Very different role than we're used to seeing him. Has
0: a thick Boston accent. Very
1: different role. He is not Ron Weasley anymore, <laughs> no, folks.
0: <laughs> no. But uh, the, the, the axe to the head, we don't see it, but we hear it, which is also gross and, and disturbing. And I like that. But I would have liked to at least see the blow happen. And then kind of pan away because they would do that and then they'd pan out of the cabin and come back and it was just it just steals the moment away because you're like i kind of want to see that and then we don't see batista kind of you know disembowel or behead him whichever one it is in the book it's a little different but those moments were like oh my god they actually gonna do it they actually gonna do it they actually gonna do it oh they did it and then you don't see anything and then we just kind of see everyone's reaction afterward mm-hmm. and i didn't really like that because it stalled the momentum like they build up the tension so well so well so well And then just drop off a cliff and there's no, like, relief from that tension. There's no, I don't think the payoff is worth what the build-up was. I wanted to have seen Rupert Grant get his head smashed in at least once. Yeah, but when I was
1: was watching it, I honestly, I didn't lose anything from not actually seeing that happen. Mm -hmm. I think it was honestly, like, it made it more of a film, a movie, like, you know, than, like, a... It's actually
0: not other senses. Zero. It's not going to grossly assault your eyes. It's going to, like, right. attack the way you, it, like, your, it was scary
1: without having to show those gory, slashy yeah. moments.
0: Yeah. As a guy who enjoys gory horror movies and slasher <laughs> films, I would have at least liked to see it. But M. Night Shyamalan's not, like, super known for his gratuitous horror. You know what I mean? I'm pretty sure most of his movies are PG-13. And I think to keep this movie PG-13, you can't show those sort of moments.
1: Was it PG-13? I
0: don't remember. I can't remember if it was R was, or 13 I
1: think it was mature.
0: You think it was R? It could have been. I'm probably wrong. I'm not going to look it up because I don't want to be proven wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> someone out there is listening and being like, it's R, you son of a bitch. She's right. <laughs> what do you think about the performances?
1: So, Batista.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I love... I feel like he is like a success story. Um, What is he? Wrestler? Wrestler, yeah. Wrestler turned actor.
0: So, what's funny is I'm going to jump in here and just real quickly say... John Cena, The Rock, Dave Bautista, they have all transferred okay. from wrestling into acting. Their careers, John Cena and The Rock are some of the greatest wrestlers mm-hmm. of all time. Bautista was good, but he was never like, no one ever puts him in that GOAT conversation. Acting-wise, Dave Bautista deserves all of the roles, He's any role he wants, and should be in every movie. I don't ever go to... It's not the same character. Like, when you see John Cena, you're going to get the goofy, lovable action star. With Dwayne Johnson, you're either going to get him kicking someone's fucking skull in or a comedy performance where he's kicking someone's skull in. Mm -hmm. There's no in-between. Dave Bautista plays Drax. He plays Leonard in this movie. He plays in Dune. He plays in a bunch of movies where he's a... Glass Onion. Glass Glass Onion, yeah. He's a different character in every movie, I feel like. And Mm -hmm. that shows his acting chops are a little better. And every time I watch him, he truly steals the show like this whole movie i kept thinking wow david batista is actually legitimately an a or b tier actor like he is Mm -hmm. better than most people and in this movie to be up against the likes of rupert grant um i cannot remember the uh goff the guy who plays Mm -hmm. jonathan goff is that his name who plays eric from glee he gave a good performance too i thought even when gave a good performance uh i know her last name is Chu, but i don't remember her first name that's on me but He just stole the movie, every scene, every word out of his mouth. It was just like, you love him, but you hate him at the same time.
1: Like Leonard was, I guess what you would call the the bad guy Mm -hmm. in this, but I loved him more than the rest of the characters. I honestly loved him. He was, you just saw like, he was so emotional, even the way he breathed. You're like, like. Yeah, he kept doing that
0: and the stutter breaths. Like
1: the way he breathed throughout the movie, like made you realize, like he did not want to be doing this. Mm -hmm. Like he thought to his core that everything he was doing was to benefit the world. Agreed. And yeah, he just gave like a stellar, stellar, stellar.
0: It was. That's what I have in my notes that he gave a stellar performance. The cast Mm -hmm. was really good. The woman who played Adrian, Amuka Bird, I did not write any of their first names down for some reason. She was phenomenal too. Mm -hmm. The woman who played, I can't remember her name, but the woman in purple, she was very like shattered and very jittery and like nervous the whole time. And she kept talking about her son Mm -hmm. and Redmond shut up. Like she was all over Mm Redmond. And I think every single person in this movie delivered a great performance. Again, I think that the writing that M.I. Shamalong gave them and the way the movie ended up unfolding stole all the momentum they were building for. And I feel that is such a tragedy because this, the acting is such a pivotal part of this movie and it's so good. But then it's just like wasted with no mm-hmm. movement in the plot. But I want to talk about Batista real quick. There's one very specific scene. What does Batista do in the movie? What is his job?
1: He is a teacher.
0: He's a second grade teacher and a bartender.
1: Yes. So
0: there is there are multiple scenes and there's two very there are two very specific scenes I want to talk about. The first one is Redmond sort of just blurting out and just being rude. Mm-hmm. And every time he does, Batista would turn around and just be like, Leonard, that is enough. You are scaring them. <laughs> My, mind you, these people are hand-tied and hog-tied, basically, to chairs and have to listen to these people With rant about the end of the Batista, world. Batista
1: yeah. over them. It's like, no, Batista, you may be acting, nurturing, but... You are scaring them.
0: You're scaring them. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're scaring You're huge.
1: You're scaring me. You're intimidating just walking into a room.
0: That was the scene, there was one scene where he's like, open the door, please, we just want to come huge. in and have a conversation, and Daddy Andrew walks over to Daddy Eric, and he's like, he's huge, and he <laughs> is, he <laughs> looks like a fucking refrigerator next to these people, especially right. when he's next to, like, the women in Rupert Grant. Mm-hmm. he's just hulking.
1: But, like, even though he is so hulking, and, like, he's just a big person, like, he truly felt like nurturing and yes. like, caring
0: in this, and yes. like
1: it was it was great.
0: The that actually brings up my next scene, the nurturing and caring. Wen is told to by her daddy Eric to scream and make a scene because he wants the distraction because he eventually gets a knife from the kitchen from Wen and cuts his hands well, but free.
1: It's really funny listening to Kyle call them <laughs> Daddy Eric, Daddy <laughs> That's what they're
0: called, man. That's that what is they're what they
1: called in the movie, But. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but when starts freaking out and Batista immediately like she's screaming and it's very like jarring in the movie because it comes out of nowhere. He just nods, and she starts screaming. It's a very quiet movie, honestly. Very yeah. quiet. And there's this part where Batista, you think, I thought, damn, is this really where really they're gonna unfold who Leonard is? Is he gonna freak out? Mm-hmm. And he walks up to her and says, When, when look at me. I need you to calm down. We're gonna count to five. And at five, you're gonna All calm right. down one, two. Okay, we're gonna have to restart now because you're still screaming. I need you. To, I need you to work with me, okay, Wen? And he's bent over. His hands aren't like they're down and clasped. He's very calm. Right. And the whole scene, I was just like, this is Dave Bautista as legitimately a very caring, nurturing man, mm-hmm. and we have never seen that from right. him before.
1: And it's it was actually like I feel like it was like a huge point in the movie when he is talking to her like that because throughout the whole movie, you're really wondering if these people are who they say they are like is batista Re- leonard in the movie is he really a second grade teacher yes is he really what he's saying he is, is, or, really like, is this all just a big story a big facade but i think in that moment where he is talking to one like that and like trying to like talk her down it's like you know he really could be a teacher really like a teacher. i don't know anyone that could talk to a kid like that besides a teacher right or a parent right and
0: and even there's parents in the scene who can't, because uh, one of the other characters is a parent. I cannot remember her name, and I just read the book, watched the movie, and I can't remember her friggin' name. But one of the characters is a mother, and she doesn't, she can't even handle the situation very well. Mm-hmm. But another scene that I want to bring up is the reason Leonard kind of is the leader of this group is because he's so gentle and mm-hmm. not intimidating. If Redmond was the leader, it would have gone a whole different, it would right. sideways immediately. And that scene where he meets when. Now, Wen is out in the beginning of the movie catching grasshoppers. Very cute, having a good time, and then out of nowhere, a man in a white t-shirt and blue jeans just comes walking out of the woods. White button up, but yeah, white button up. It was very nice. Nice showed <laughs> off his abs. Great, his chest was immaculate. Um, his shoulders were popping. And glasses. And glasses. And he's just a very calm demeanor walking up to her. And even walking, watching him in the movie, you walk out. My thoughts were. This is just a, like this is just a guy looking for help, looking for directions or something. like I didn't even, like mm-hmm. in the movie, think this man has malice in his heart, which I even still, I don't, I don't think, think he, he did. did. And he walks up to her. He introduces himself. He's like, my name's Leonard. What's yours? And they shake hands. And he says, let's play a game. I brought you a flower. I want you to pick a petal. And each time, we will ask each other a question. He catches grasshoppers with her. He goes to great lengths to make her feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And even when Wen gets uncomfortable and walks away, he stands up and says... Well, actually, Wen sees his friends coming and he's like, are those your friends? And he looks at Wen and goes, you're my friend. Those are my business partners. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, God, this is just brutal. And then Wen walks away and he's like, Wen, whatever happens today, I want you to know that no matter what, you are my friend and I will make sure nothing bad happens to you. Mm-hmm. And even then, it felt so genuine. Batista gives such a genuine performance. Okay. I really liked that. Now, we talked about the, the acting a little bit. We've talked about the story. How did, did you think, what did you think of the way the movie was set up? Like the setup of the film and the story of the film, like the plot.
1: I liked it. Did you,
0: <laughs> she knows that aggravates the hell out of me when she doesn't elaborate. She just says things like that. No, but
1: really I liked it. Um, I liked the way it was set up. I hate you. <laughs> I was actually at the end of the movie, I was like, we only like, there was seven characters mm-hmm. in this movie, Yep. seven characters. And most of the movie was filmed. In one room, mm-hmm. but I never got bored. Mm-hmm. I think it was awesome. I think it was intimate. Mm-hmm. I think it was a very intimate movie where they, you knew seven people and they were all together in this room, trying to like figure this out. Figure this out. Yeah, they have a huge. They have a very important decision mm-hmm. to make. Right, and even though these like the people that came in, Leonard and his posse. Mm-hmm business associates as you can see leonard was my favorite character the <laughs> rest of them kind of fade into the background even though one of them was a nurse and i'm a nurse so i like always kind of like bond with the nurse characters mm-hmm. leonard outshined her for me mm-hmm. so leonard comes in with this posse and from like immediately like no matter how riled up daddy eric and daddy andrew get mm-hmm. they're calm except for redmond except for redmond yeah spoiler alert but he's gone pretty fast
0: <laughs> and also, he doesn't, he has a history, right? clearly, of being a bigot, yes. so it makes sense why he's a little...
1: But, so no matter how upset and worked up and loud Daddy, it's usually, what is it, Daddy Andrew, Daddy that Andrew. actually gets really yep. upset I and remember this yells. One. Daddy Andrew is
0: aggressive. A for aggressive.
1: Daddy Andrew's <laughs> aggressive. Daddy Eric was kind of...
0: He had a concussion, so he's just kind of like, waxing his clothing.
1: But... Right. But no matter how, what Daddy Andrew would say, like, he would be, like, kind of, um... You shut the fuck up. you talk talking right. to me from this point on. Right. Like, he would say some pretty harsh stuff towards Batista and his posse, and they never raised their voice at them. So it just felt like, we're all having a conversation. We're all trying to figure it out. Like, it, would, it never felt, like, angry or aggressive Mm-mm. and... Another thing
0: I kind of want to add to that is that Batista did yell in one scene, and then immediately he apologized. Remember, because mm-hmm. Daddy Andrew's screaming, he's freaking out, he's telling him to shut the TV off because they're showing them that the apocalypse is happening on mm-hmm. the mo- on the TV, even though it's pre recorded. We'll get into mm-hmm. that. But Batista screams and tells him to shut up and l- and listen to him. And then immediately he's like, "I am sorry that I had to yell in front of you, Wen. I'm sorry that I had to yell at you, Eric and Andrew. But you need to listen to me. I am saying like I'm telling you something very important. Mm-hmm. And you're not listening." Mm-hmm. And also, I, I want to kind of talk and elaborate on your intimacy thing. I think, or intimate thing, this movie does a really good job of humanizing the bad guys. I wouldn't yeah. even consider them bad guys. No. Spoiler alert, coming right here. The ending of this movie doesn't paint them as bad guys either. No. When you find out that the the apocalypse is actually happening, they're the good guys. They're mm-hmm. not like, they, they're not even harming, right. they don't it want to harm turns, them.
1: Like- daddy eric and daddy
0: andrew into mostly daddy andrew
1: the bad guys because so many people died because they wouldn't choose to kill one or the other so big spoiler alert that is the premise of the story is like or the movie is that Batista and his crew come in and they say unless you decide to kill one of you Mm -hmm.
0: Everything then
1: worldwide. the world is going to end.
0: And he gives Leonard gives an amazing speech, which he was they stutter breathing through. He was fumbling over his words a little mm-hmm. bit. It just felt so authentic, like this was right. really happening. Right. And they also make you right away bond to the characters because they get there and they're like, "My name is Adrian. Right. I am a nurse. I have a sister just like you, and you guys would get along." And they start humanizing themselves to these people right away. Which, by the way, they tell you to humanize yourself with your captors. So mm-hmm. who's the captor here? Right. They Andrew and Eric don't say anything about their life. They clam up very fast, especially Mm -hmm. Andrew. He's like, you don't talk to Eric. You talk to me. Mm -hmm. And Wen doesn't say anything, they're humanizing themselves with Andrew and Eric as if they're the captors because Andrew and Eric hold the fate of humanity in their hands. So Mm -hmm. who's the real quote unquote villain, bad guy here. And that's one thing I think M night and the author G Tremblay do. So such a good job at is making them not seem like such bad guys. Right. So another thing that I kind of want to bring up, this is moving into sort of a different area it's not really over analyzing but it is me kind of just pointing something some things out so one thing i want to say is that i felt eric and andrew were two sides of the same coin mm-hmm. call back to earlier you know, when i said that i've been waiting to say that every they could basically be the same person eric and andrew could be one every single person in their life at one point or another has questioned their faith has questioned if they believe in something Were all of these things really coincidence that lined up to maybe give you an event in your life that you're like, why is this happening to me? This everything laid out perfectly Mm -hmm. in front of me. I don't believe that this was coincidence. Or maybe I do believe there were coincidences. Everybody has those moments of doubt in their life. Mm -hmm. Eric was the doubt. And Andrew was the firm belief. Andrew knew in his heart this was not happening and that these people were having a mass break, uh, mass psychotic, psychotic breakdown. And they were in an echo chamber and they met on a forum and they were just sharing their delusions. Mm -hmm. And this is, none of it is real. Eric is the part of the person who is like, there's a chance. Look at the TV. Look at what they're showing you. Eric refuses to believe. He even says that's pre-programmed. They could have looked up the guide before they came out here. Spoiler alert, Redmond attacked Andrew with a bottle and beat the shit out of him with a beer bottle in a bar one night. and so it looks like they planned this out right
1: so from that point on when daddy andrew realized that redmond was the one that had assaulted him years prior he obviously started to think that no this we are targeted like this is a targeted attack yes because we're gay like they so i think that made it like the decision a lot harder for them because they're like this really, like, it really could happen. It really could be targeted at right. them because they're gay, and these people think that.
0: Because he did attack had, him because right. he was gay.
1: Right. And so it's just like.
0: Which, real quick, I just want to inject that I think the movie did a weird job at that. The book is very more straightforward that it was very much an so attack on them for being gay, whereas Rupert Grant in the movie just walks up and says, "Hey, will you shut the fuck up and quiet down?"
1: Mm-hmm. And I
0: get that it's obviously implied he's doing it because they're gay because there's a hundred people in this bar. And he right. Because they weren't. They were just talk normally them. talking. <laughs> right. So I get it. Is that, but. It also, you could kind of argue that maybe it wasn't, maybe he just picked these two out and was like, I'm going to fuck them up. Who knows? Mm -hmm. In the book is a little more played out. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead.
1: So I think, I really do think that because Daddy Andrew had realized that it was Redmond that had attacked them, that it made the decision they had to make a lot harder because obviously like he's a gay man. His, and you see in that movie, like his parents don't accept him. He spent his whole life, Thinking that he's tar- he's being targeted. And
0: when they go to China, this is my wife's brother. That's what he's right. referred to as
1: right. by when Eric. They, when they go to adopt Wen, Daddy Eric introduces Daddy Andrew as his wife's brother. Mm-hmm. Because they obviously don't think that they'll be allowed to adopt this yes. baby if they know that they're actually the couple. Mm-hmm. And so I think he just has spent his whole life on it. And he has. He spent his whole life being a target. A victim. Being, like ridiculed because of just who he is Mm -hmm. and so i think that's why he fought so hard to not believe Mm -hmm. what was actually happening because he has spent his whole life in defense mode just defending who he is is. right to exist right his right to exist and so i think i do think it would have been a drastically different movie if it was man and a female
0: Yes, I agree on that 100%. I also would like to just real quickly say that I thought it was nice they had two authentically gay men play a married gay couple. Mm -hmm. I thought that was just, like, excellent. I think that's why you get such an authentic performance of them being especially, like you said, Daddy Andrew being so aggressive, and we are being targeted, Mm -hmm. because there's no way they've gone their life without being targeted at some point. Right. In real life, you know what I mean? And I do think that this movie does sort of... I think that that kind of plays towards this... You know, the two sides of the same coin. You get a guy who is a staunch believer. They're being targeted because of who we are, because we simply exist. He calls them bigots. He calls them mm-hmm. religious zealots. And they're like, we're not religious. None of us were religious before mm-hmm. this started happening. Eric, on the other hand, is a, is more inclined to be, like, listen to them. He's but, like, tell me what's right, going on. I Just talk to me.
1: That also <clears throat> probably leads back to the fact that his parents accept him. Mm-hmm. He hasn't had to fight for...
0: As hard as like Andrew. as
1: hard to just be accepted and to be treated the same as Andrew has because Daddy Eric's parents accepted him for being gay and Daddy Andrew's parents did not. Right. And so I feel like that really shows like the difference that can make in a person's life.
0: And also because of the bar attack, what does Andrew go do? He gets a boxing, he takes boxing lessons, becomes a crazy good boxer. He gets a gun. He gets a gun. He becomes a self protection. nut. he doesn't want to become a victim anymore. And what are these people doing? They're making him another victim. And he's believing it's because we're gay. Mm -hmm. And obviously there's reason to believe that with Redmond there. And which he lied about his name. His name is actually Rory Mm O'Bannon. It's not Redmond that he lied to them, which is another thing that they were like, Mm -hmm. you guys aren't even using your real names. We can't trust anything you're saying. But that's when Eric still was just like, he never once didn't, he never once truly did not believe them. Mm -hmm. He was always like, there's a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Maybe. And I think that is kind of like the duality of of humans. That's the duality of man is Mm -hmm. that you kind of, a part of you is always like, no way, this isn't real. This isn't happening. No, I don't believe this is a coincidence or this is like too crazy to be factual. Whereas Anders just like, or whereas Eric is the part of humanity that is like, or every person that has ever existed, that is like well what if we just listen Mm -hmm. what if there is a chance you know what i mean and i think i kind of i liked how they played off each other like that And they did that in the book too very well Mm -hmm. another thing i want to point out is the lighting in this movie holy shit as you guys know i'm a lighting nut i talk about it all the time on this podcast (laughs) lighting is so important and this movie does such a great job of of lighting and one thing is that andrew has a eric has a concussion so lighting lighting Mm -hmm. is very sensitive to him spoiler alert he thinks that there's a spot of light behind Batista before they kill Redmond.
1: And there's a figure. And there's a
0: figure in that light. It could have been simply a concussion. The light is reflecting off a mirror and just killing his eyes. It could have been that there was a figure. We never actually kind of realized what that is. But the lighting is so key here because Daddy Andrew is a staunch, this is not real. Mm-hmm. He is always kept in the shadows. Watch the movie. He is... Never near the light, whereas when they wake up, when Andrew, when they're first tied up and Andrew is seen in the chair and Eric wakes up from his concussion nap, essentially, he is bathed in the light and they pull the curtains closed and it's a little better, but he's still sort of in the light. And when we see Eric or when we see the four horsemen, essentially Leonard and all his posse, Mm -hmm. they're bathed in the light from one of the other windows. Mm -hmm. We move to the bathroom scene where she's fixing the bandage on Eric's head. She is bathed in the light, and he is in the dark. Then, they, then she sort of crouches down behind him and talks to him, and the camera f- focuses out on her, and you can kind of see there's a little bit of light on him. Uh-huh. Again, we move to the cab. They move back to the living room, and they're sort of going on a rampage, or uh, they're sort of rambling about like we have to do this tomorrow again. Uh-huh. There'll be another plague that is unleashed on humanity. Uh-huh. Andrew is still covered in shadows and darkness, whereas Eric is starting to have more light shown on him. Uh-huh. Spoiler alert here, at the end of the film when they're rotating around and they're trying to figure out you know, what to do next at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. Andrew is seen facing away from the door, so the door's behind him, and Eric is covered in the dark. And they start rotating mm-hmm. and rotating and rotating until Eric is actually standing in front of the door and there's light casting down kind of mm-hmm. around him and he's in the light. And I think that's to show you that... To, to understand what's actually happening here, to believe is to be in the light, whereas if you refuse to accept, you are kept in the dark. Mm-hmm. And as Batista has said numerous times, Leonard in the movie has said, the world will be plunged into, into an eternal and cosmic darkness, and you will be forced to wander alone forever. That is sort of what they're showing, is that Eric, who is a believer at the by the end of the movie— that this is actually happening, is in the light, whereas Andrew is still kept in the dark. Mm -hmm. And I thought the lighting just played such a major role in the story, and I love little details like that. You can watch this movie and never infer that. You can watch this movie and completely shrug that off. I get that. But for me, it was so poignant as to and on the nose as to what is going to happen at the end of the film. Mm -hmm. And I appreciated that because I could infer what was going to happen based on that. But I also could... I could see how people would ignore that and just simply be like, oh shit, at the end of the movie, realize, you know, when Andrew and Eric are mm-hmm. making their decision that, oh fuck, okay, the lighting was important here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, did you notice any of that or was it just... No. <laughs> yeah. I was watching and I was like, oh, I cannot wait to tell her this shit because I know she's going to be like, cool, dude. <laughs> we're going to go ahead and are we... before we move on, do you have anything yes. you'd like to add? Go ahead.
1: Final thoughts for me. So we kind of touched on this, but I don't know if we really like explain, this is going to be a spoiler, but Daddy Eric and Daddy Andrew are faced with the choice to kill one of them or humanity and the world will end. Correct. Anytime Daddy Andrew and Daddy Eric make the decision to not sacrifice one of themselves, Mm -hmm. then one of Leonard's crew has to sacrifice themselves.
0: To unleash a plague.
1: Right, to unleash a plague. So... Whenever one of them dies, they flick on the TV and you see immediately the plague that is happening.
0: Yeah. The first, the first, first one is a tsunami. tsunami.
1: Mm-hmm. The second one was a, pl- um, a sickness a flu, flu. A
0: flu. They cho- that was killing children.
1: Yeah, it was killing specifically children. And then the third one was, was the sky falling. pretty much falling, but it was just, it said the,
0: the sky, sky would, would fall, fall like, like glass. Of glass.
1: But it was any, every single plane... Pretty much that was in the air of like flying plummeted to the ground. And
0: God's fingers will touch the earth lightning.
1: Right. So you have to like, you're th- like, I'm sorry. I love you more than anything in the world. Are
0: you about to pull the Eric on? me?
1: I love you more than anything in the world, baby. But the if I saw that happening on the TV, I'm sorry.
0: You're Eric.
1: I would choose to kill you.
0: Has to be a willing sacrifice. You can't just kill me. They have to like agree. I don't agree to that at all.
1: You don't? No. See,
0: Hopefully,
1: and that shows weird. our differences in personality. <laughs> I'm Daddy Andrew. Your Daddy. Andrew. I immediately would see like, oh my god, like because they literally watched, like hundreds of people die they Lynn, from the very They
0: right. could have also killed. Lynn. Well, they're it not going that. to, but they could. But
1: you literally see hundreds of people get crushed in the tsunami. First, first plague. You're seeing hundreds of people die. But I love you more than anything, but after seeing that, I'd be like, I can't let everyone else die for my happiness. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, how many people are in the world? Seven,
0: eight Seven, billion, billion, now. Seven billion, eight million billion
1: million. people in the world. How am I to take away all of their okay. happiness when I can just take away my happiness?
0: But you have, the thing is, someone has to be a willing sacrifice. I'm not willing to sacrifice.
1: Well, myself. then I will be the willing sacrifice. Well, I wouldn't
0: I would be able to do that, too, I don't think. <laughs> Um, see, and
1: now we're going to have to have a really a very serious discussion <laughs> after this to see if like, if it we were ever actually in this scenario, oh. we would be on the same page. You can just take me
0: out. I'll let you do it. You I'm would. willing now. Just so we're have to now? have a conversation later. <laughs> yes, I'm willing now. You, you've warned me now.
1: <laughs> but it's true. I'm like watching this whole movie
0: and, the, and you, all uh, the
1: plagues are raining down. And I'm like, come on, Daddy Andrew and Daddy Eric. Like all these people are dying. Just kill one of you. Like, I'm sorry, but one life. No matter how much, no matter how much you love that one life, it's not worth the rest of the world's life. It's just not.
0: I'm a little upset to know that you were watching this movie the whole time, thinking I'd fucking kill Kyle. Oh my god, I
1: was thinking, I was literally thinking about this podcast and being like, you know, that's what that's what I'm gonna say on the podcast. I'd be like, that is truly like. Funny, I never put myself in You'd be dead. Okay. I'm so sorry. Okay. I love Kyle Pieces. If his mom is listening to this, I love your son more than anything in the world. All Clearly, right? not.
0: Clearly not more than Never. everyone else.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Realistically, you can't do that. You'd find someone else. <laughs>
0: okay. Lovely. Great conversation. Love is dead. I'm dead. There's no, no true love in the world. No soulmates. Anyway... <laughs> Before we move on, I do want to point out that the programs that they were showing on the film were all pre-programmed except for, spoiler alert, the final one where Batista starts saying the same thing the news anchor is saying.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so there is reasonable doubt there because it's all pre-recorded. None of it's live breaking news. The only thing that was live breaking news was the ending when Batista's like reciting the same thing that the woman mm-hmm. is with the same pauses. And then
1: Batista, who is the, the last one alive, I hit. That. I feel like we shouldn't be calling him Batista. I call Sly. I call <laughs> Stallone, Sly and Rocky. Um, and sometimes I'll literally
0: say, like, Rocky. Leonard,
1: Leonard is the last one to sacrifice himself because they...
0: All of humanity has been judged. Daddy
1: Eric and Daddy Andrew still decide, you know what? We're more important than everyone else. Mm-hmm. And so Leonard is the last one to sacrifice <clears throat> himself. And you literally, you watch the darkness start to come over the yeah. world. Yeah. And I just could imagine, like, being... Daddy Eric and Daddy Andrew in that situation, and especially Daddy Andrew because he was so against it the whole time, mm-hmm. and being like, "Well, crap, we just killed millions of people." Right. Millions of people, right. like this is real. And
0: mind you, when that happens, there's still a good 20 minutes left in the movie, so we're not giving away like what happens at the end. And there's still 20 minutes left, and we're not going to give away what happens.
1: We're not. We're not.
0: <clears throat> but there, there's still like a good 20 minutes left in the movie after that. Right. And and that was actually. I the endings the movie diverges from the book about halfway through an hour in I checked my watch it was like an hour and like two minutes three minutes into the movie left heart hard left turn very different ending very different um character resolutions there Mm. but I didn't hate this ending being different than the book I think the book ending is better but I actually didn't dislike the ending to this book or to this movie at all I really actually enjoyed it so
1: it actually kills me that you say we're not going to talk about the ending we can't. Well, we're going to
0: in the next session where I'm going to be like this whole set. The whole book versus movie is going to be a spoiler section.
1: Because I have a very big opinion
0: mm-hmm.
1: about the ending.
0: Okay. Well, we are going to talk about it. I just went like right here because we're going to compare in a little bit. We're going to compare the book to the movie. And one of the biggest differences is the ending. And I cannot talk about it without spoiling it. So that whole section, I'll make sure I'll say it. And I'll tag it in the description that that whole section is going to be spoilers. We're going to talk about everything. So before we move to that, though we've kind of talked about what we liked mm-hmm. some of the things we didn't like was there anything i said that i didn't like i think i've said you know some of the, f- the few things i didn't like they missed capitalizing the the momentum and and the scares weren't really there but was there anything you didn't like about the movie or were you just like this was fine all the way through
1: yeah i liked it
0: okay <laughs> so anyway we're gonna move on now to give you guys our grades of the movie now So in this section we are going to just kind of summarize our thoughts give our grades and the mvp of the movie that we believed uh, i think that's pretty I on point pretty of what we're gonna do i usually give it away at the beginning of the at the <laughs> beginning of the podcast i'm always like mickey was amazing in this or apollo creed was <laughs> awesome <laughs> and we kept very on brand for that but uh this is again zero to five stars five being the best movie we've ever seen zero being the worst movie we've ever seen i wanted to gouge my eyes out and eat them um it is a star ranking but on this podcast, we do a little something else. So, thoughts, Cass?
1: Great. I would say... Four out of five plagues.
0: Four out of five plagues. Four out of five plagues.
1: Four out of four five. Out of
0: five. That's actually really high. That's really high.
1: I really enjoyed the movie.
0: Okay. okay. I am I am going to... Four is a lot. Four is, a, like, a great movie. But I don't think this movie is great.
1: I do. I, I do.
0: I did enjoy it and I'm wondering if I would have been in your shoes if I hadn't read the book Right, because I am a little more knowledgeable of what's supposed to happen in the book but with that, with that said I think this movie was still fine I think it was still good I'm going to give it three out of five plagues this movie is there's definitely this is a movie that you can watch over and over and over again and mm-hmm. still always feel that tension and really enjoy I think I'm going to buy this movie the second I can I have an obsession with buying movies so I will buy this at some point I do like it the only things I didn't really like were I think it missed some capitaliz it missed capitalizing on those um, really important moments. And I think M Night Shyamalan really dropped the ball, and this has nothing to do with the acting or the characters. And I also kind of think that about an hour in, when the twist, when the, when the change from the book comes, I kind of just I felt a little disappointed because the book is so heartbreaking. But with that oh. said, three out of five plagues.
1: But I do think like that's also like I feel like any time I've read a book before watching the movie that comes out about that book are based on that book. I'm always disappointed. Mm -hmm. Books are always so much better because you just have more more time. time. You have more time to really like dive in, get deep and movies. You all like, you have to cut things. You have to change things. And so I think that the reason that I graded it higher is because one, I'm not so tough of a critic and two, because I didn't read the book. Mm -hmm. So to me, I'm watching this with fresh eyes. I have zero expectations and I thought it was really good, but I do see where you're coming from, mm-hmm. where you read the book. You obviously had expectations. Well, my expectations. And I've always, I've always found that with reading a book before watching a movie that it always seems to not like reach those expectations.
0: My expectations come from the fact that the first hour is taken directly from the book. Mm-hmm. I mean, verbatim, the things they say, like they straight up take the lines from the book. And then halfway through, they're just like, yeah, fuck the book. We're going to do everything completely different now. And I was like, okay, kinda you kind of like lost that, me there. Though.
1: I kind of like that, though. I kind of like that, because it makes it different. No, I agree. It, it does make it... surprises even the people that read the book.
0: But we knew the surprise was coming, because it's M. Night Shyamalan. And it has to be different <laughs> than anything. It has to be different. But again, I, th- I mean, three for me, three is a good movie. Like, my scale is that three is a good, fun movie, and I genuinely liked it. A three and a half is like, this was amazing. And I really liked it. I didn't really like this movie. I, I liked it. It was a good movie. And I mean, I would, I want to see it again. It's not a movie I would ever turn down watching. It's not mm-hmm. like it's skin and rank where I'm like, I want to watch this six more times, but alone without you because you fell asleep during it and you hated it. And that's fair. <laughs> it's a very fair critique. But like, this is a fun family movie. You can hang out with your friends and play.
1: Family movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a fun. Well, Don't watch it with your children. people. I mean,
0: I think it's like a fun <laughs> starter horror thriller movie for mm-hmm. people like maybe 12, 13 years old. Like, it has enough to scare them but I don't think it's gonna make them go and sleep in your bed at night you know what I mean right. like hereditary probably would right. um, and this is a fun movie you could watch with your friends and just turn the lights down and just have a good night like it, it's it's nothing that requires a lot of brain power in my opinion yeah. and that's that makes a good movie it was a fun movie and I had a good time in the theater but, like watching it in the theater I'm really glad I saw it in theater on the big screen because you get a, such a great feel of the close ups that they do because the whole movie basically every like it feels like when they're talking the camera's right on their face and you can't (laughs) even see their whole head i like seeing that on the big screen so i think this movie also is benefited by being seen in the theater and we're gonna give out the mvp i don't think it's a surprise on the count of three let's just say who it is one two three leonard Leonard. yeah Yeah. leonard is the mvp we don't have to say anything about that we've ranted and raved about him for about 55 minutes so we're going to move on now.
1: Dave Batista, if you're listening out
0: there,
1: <laughs> you should be very proud.
0: <laughs> you should be very proud of the career you've made for yourself, young man. So next up, I'm just going to dive into the book versus the movie. And I want to say now, because I'm not going to say it again when we get into it. I'm just going to dive in. This is the biggest spoiler section. We are going to give everything that happens away in this movie. So please stop listening if you do not want to be spoiled, okay? Without further ado, these are the differences between the book the cabin at the end of the world and the movie knock the cab so first things first hold
1: on i'm just getting the i'm just getting the title of that the book mm-hmm. cabin at, at, the at the end, end, end of, yeah. of the world yeah because it it could be the end of the world. Yeah, I never, I didn't get that until. That. And honestly, I think that's a better title than Knock at the Cabin.
0: It is. It's a much better title. I think Knock at the Cabin takes away the the fun. Of and it the takes title. away like like the
1: like it takes away like that is the movie. Yes, the cabin this at the end, the end of the, of the world. world. This
0: is it. Like you need to make a sacrifice. No, like, so the world ends, and this is, knock, this is it.
1: A knock at the cabin could mean anything.
0: It's like a home invasion movie, essentially. Right. Which this movie kind of was up until the end, in my opinion. Right. Whereas like, home invasion until you, you know. Again, spoiler alerts, we've already mentioned it. We're going to talk about the ending now. Where the apocalypse is real. Mm-hmm. This is real. These are the four horsemen who okay. have basically been chosen by God to come and stop the end of the world or the end of the world yeah. happens. And this was a home invasion movie up until then because you couldn't right. prove without a shadow of a doubt that these things weren't just coincidences. And doesn't
1: Daddy Eric even say at the end of the movie, this was never a home invasion?
0: He literally says this was never a home invasion. Mm-hmm. They were sent to us. They were um, health.
1: No, um, it was... It was um... Nurture,
0: nurture, which was healing. Yep, nurture, healing. Leonard and Adrian. Mm,
1: and then what was?
0: Was wrath? Malice. Malice. Malice, Malice was, Rupert, was Grant.
1: Rupert Grant.
0: Loved him in that role, like, by the way. We didn't talk about him enough.
1: Nurture, healing, nurturing. Malice. Malice. And I don't the, one, what the last one was they like showed her she was feeding. It was like.
0: Yeah, she was like she, it was her sliding the plate across the went so she could eat, but I remember what he said in that moment. But in that moment you realize this is real. This is the the four horsemen essentially come down to bring the mm-hmm. end of the world. They're all wearing shirts that align with the colors of the horse of mm-hmm. the pale horses and the um, the purple and the and the um, yellow. So they all have like their mm-hmm. colors that go along with the horses. But I just kind of now I want to jump into the the differences. Okay. Uh, the first difference is not major whatsoever, but as someone from New England, I was a little offended that they moved the setting of this to Pennsylvania, whereas in the book, it takes place in New Hampshire. So I was a little, mm-hmm. I was a little just like butthurt because I was like, man, come on, don't take that from us. We got nothing up in this <laughs> They village.
1: were probably like, no one will know where New Yeah, New
0: exactly. It. <laughs> exactly. They'll be like, isn't that in Canada? Is that Nova Scotia? Do you mean Nova Scotia? Yeah. Um, I'm from Maine. Obviously, you're from Maine. Mm-hmm. Stephen King, based, But that's it. Like, we don't really have a lot going on in Maine besides that. So it would have been nice to at least have our neighbor get something. Like,
1: Any part fun. of Maine like, yeah. past Massachusetts. It's just, like...
0: A victory for all of us. It's
1: just, like, unknown.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's a victory we're included at all. So it's just a little thing to kind of get your, your beak <laughs> wet with what they're going to change. And so about halfway through the movie is when the biggest changes come. Adrian does not get shot and killed. She is shot in the movie by Daddy Andrew. He kind of reacts very quickly to her storming into the back door mm-hmm. after escaping him, almost, almost nearly shooting her.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, he does shoot her in that moment, and she dies.
1: But I don't think she dies. Well, she doesn't
0: die right died. then, but she she's she's incapacitated. She's not moving. And Leonard then takes out her mask and proceeds to right. use his hammer axe thing on her and kill her.
1: Right, because I, and I honestly wonder if she dies by not sacrifice. What would have happened? Like, what would have changed... If it would have changed the movie? Right, because... Because it has to be by by sacrifice. By
0: sacrifice. And that's why he quickly was, like, put the bag over her head, Mm -hmm. because they all have to wear these nylon bags. So, yeah, Adrienne is actually, in the book, the last survivor of the group for uh, Leonard's men, Leonard's posse. Mm -hmm. And she leads them. She's like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm with you guys. And there's a force inside of her that's like, no, you have to go through this. There's someone inside of her who blacks her out. Mm -hmm. And so Leonard actually... It uh, ties himself to the chair basically because another event that happens I'm gonna talk about later and says you do to me what you will and Andrew's like I'm gonna kill you, but he doesn't So Adrian does it so they get the sacrifice Adrian decides she doesn't want to do it. She's like, I don't want to kill him I don't want to kill Andrew. I want to leave with you guys. We need to go But then she blacks out and when she comes to she has struck Leonard in the head mm-hmm. and his face basically like falls off
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, she then takes them with she goes with Andrew and Eric to a place where they hid the keys to the truck because they hid okay. the keys on the way there. Okay. And there she finds a bag with a gun in it. And they're like, why do you have that? She's like, I don't know. And something inside of her is telling her not to shoot them. And she doesn't want to shoot them. But is, something is telling a side of her to not kill herself, but she wants to kill herself basically because mm-hmm. she's like, I, I, I'm i going to keep blacking out and hurting you guys or hurting myself. Mm-hmm. So might as well just take myself out of the equation. And they're like, how did you get a gun? How did you know this was here? She's like, I didn't. But Leonard ran off in front of them so when they arrived at the cabin, Leonard took off before the other three could catch up
1: mm-hmm.
0: and said he had to take care of something real quick. So he buried the gun next to where they were gonna put the keys. So he knew where they were gonna put the keys mm-hmm. and put the gun there as an insurance policy. Wow. So that kind of in my mind That
1: changes Leonard altogether. Changes
0: Leonard altogether, but also changes the outcome of the book and movie mm-hmm. because the movie, the plague is happening. In the right. book, this is the biggest change, and we'll get to it in a minute. I'm not gonna say it now. But Leonard isn't, like, still very much so the same character.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But then you find out he had the gun there, and you're like, right. was this real? Was it real? Another huge change is Redman. He's, like, 50 years old in the book. Mm-hmm. Fat and very, like, old. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the movie, it's Rupert Crane. He doesn't look a day over, like, 35. Mm-hmm. Rough 35. But they're like, yeah, a few years back, and he's put on a shit ton of weight, and it's like, Rupert Green could have been over a buck seventy in this movie. What are you talking about? <laughs> like soaking wet, the dude's probably 170 right. pounds. I just I, you know the casting was weird, but I think he obviously mm. knocked out of the park. Um,
1: I think I also would have been upset if Leonard wasn't the last one alive in the movie. Because he was
0: He's the leader. He's
1: the leader. Like yeah. he's the one doing all the talking. He's the one because he was the first one showing the visions. Right. And so I think I think I would have been upset if yeah. I was reading the book and Leonard was killed before Adrian. He should have he he was meant to be last.
0: Yes. Okay, so now we're going to get into like the biggest change, in my opinion. So Leonard sits down in the chair. He grabs one of the chairs, walks into the kitchen, sets himself down and says, do what you will to me. I don't care at this point. Why? Because he does fight Andrew for the gun, just like in the movie, but it goes down differently. The gun goes off and shoots one and kills one. Mm. She is killed instantly. I have goosebumps talking about it. It was heartbreaking and shattered my world when I was wow. reading the book. It, it destroyed me. I remember being like, "This can't be real. This can't be happening." Because when is promised, Leonard has promised when multiple times, nothing is going to happen to you. This is a decision mm-hmm. your daddies need to make. Mm-hmm. And in the book, he's distraught over this because he is a teacher and he just can't believe what happened. And everybody freezes in that moment. And there, are, it's seen from multiple different perspectives because Adrian's still alive at this point, mm-hmm. and most of them black out, like literally black out in that moment when she dies. All of them have no recollection except for hearing the pop and seeing Wen on the ground. Mm-hmm. And at one point, Andrew, I mean, straight up doesn't even remember. He went from standing with Leonard in the gun to sitting across the room next to the door to the cabin on the ground, just like staring off into space. He doesn't even remember moving like it was heart shattering. And I think Wen survives at the end of the movie with her daddy and Eric's the one that's sacrificed and they do sacrifice Eric because he's like, she tells him, I see, I have a vision of the future with you and
1: Wen. Right. And he's like, Daddy Eric chooses to be sacrificed because mm-hmm. he's like, I know that I saw something in that light. And, and this, I'm I at so peace. Pure. He's like, I am at peace with this decision. And I know that I'm going somewhere. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. He knows I want to take my last happy thought with me. Mm-hmm. to wherever I'm going next. Right. I need you to do it now while I'm thinking about it. And he describes, right. you know, the future that right. he has been seen, that he's been shown. That
1: he's seen. Like yeah, he he's has seen vividly it. seen it. And he's like, I'm the one that's yeah. meant to You have go. to take
0: me. You, ha- you have to take me. He's like, I won't do and it. He's and he's like, like, you have to now.
1: Right. And he's like, I am at peace with this. And I know you still have your doubts. Yeah. But
0: trust me on this trust one, dude. Me, like, yeah.
1: I'm going to be okay. And this is, I know I can, I feel so deeply that this is what is supposed to happen. Right.
0: Um. So that is the, major huge difference when survives in the movie Mm -hmm. right up to the end they drive away they live Mm -hmm. the book she is dead and then we still have like two or three chapters of them trying to figure out what to do next and leonard basically is distraught everyone's distraught but leonard is just crushed because he could not believe he did this and so Mm -hmm. andrew kind of blames himself he's like i shot her and eric is like don't say that you don't Mm -hmm. know you shot her no one knows who pulled the trigger. Mm-hmm. It was an accident. So Leonard then goes to sits down. And he's like, kill me. I want you to kill me. But for some reason, Andrew just can't mm-hmm. do it. And that's when Adrian's like, I'm going to do it then. Mm-hmm. And so she kills him mm-hmm. and unleashes the next plague. And that's when they go to take off. Now, the ending of the movie, this is the last thing we'll talk about. The ending of the movie, they make the sacrifice, Andrew and... When get in the truck, they drive off, and Boogie Shoes, the song that Daddy Eric loved and played for them, was playing in Redmond's truck. What are they like? It was a, it's literally a sign. It's a sign being like, I'm fine. Yeah, good. I'm with you guys
1: still.
0: Yes, like that was a heartwarming scene. Mm -hmm. I kind of like that because the book shatters you and doesn't give you that resolution. Mm -hmm. Whereas this, they're like, okay, Mm
1: -hmm. the
0: apocalypse is over. You guys have staved it off. The world will Mm -hmm. go on. And Daddy Eric is with you the entire right. time.
1: And actually when the song starts playing, Daddy Andrew he's like, shuts it off.
0: Yeah, he's like, he can't believe it. He looks at they look at each other, him, him and Wen, and they're like, What?
1: I think Wen realizes it first. She's like, No. She's like, This is Daddy. Daddy's trying to like show us that he's okay. And so she turns it back on and she's like, And we need to live our lives and we need to go on living that life for him. And we need to celebrate him. And we can do it by listening to our song that we used to sing together mm-hmm. and have so much joy. And so she turns it back on
0: and then daddy Andrew turns
1: it off again. And then, no, I think she turns it on, listens to it for a little while, looks over at daddy Andrew, sees he's not feeling what she's feeling. And, oh, and she shuts yes, right. it back off. Correct. Yes. And then, so daddy Andrew starts looking over at her and like, you can kind see of like, see there's a conversation happening right. behind the and eyes. Ca- he, like you can kind of see that he kind of comes to the, like to those terms too. And he turns back on.
0: And then they drive off and the song just plays and the movie ends. And I actually did, I did like that. But the ending of the book, if you know this, I'm a staunch believer in not all movies should be happy endings. endings. I enjoy them when I enjoy them. I do. But like, I also very much enjoy when the bad guy wins, when, when the ending is not happy. (laughs) And in this book, they actually say it in the movie. They say the last line in the movie of the book. He looks at Eric and says, well, he said, what do we do now though? He says we will walk the ends of the earth together and we will get through this together. Mm-hmm. And that's how the book ends, is them deciding they're just gonna walk off. And that whatever happens, happen. happens. But but another thing is the book never explicitly tells you that the end of the world was ever happening. Oh really? Yes. That was that's where I was headed with this is mm. the movie shows you the lightning, the planes. Right. All of a sudden, there haven't been any deaths from this disease in two hours. It's very strange because every it was had a ninety percent fatality rate. No one's mm-hmm. dying all of a sudden. The lightning has stopped. Planes are able to actually lift off and like not crash anymore mm-hmm. all of a sudden. What's happening? The tsunami has receded. The waters receded. The cities are back. Mm-hmm. The book. Never once does any of that happen. And the whole like Leonard scene where he's like describing like the breaking news thing that never happens. There is no breaking news scene. Uh, everything is pre-recorded, and. They're they when the planes crash, there's no plane outside the cabin that crashes. Mm -hmm. There's no live thing happening. It's a terrorist attack, they're told. And it was only like a couple. It was only a couple planes. It was not 700 planes, whereas in the movie, it's 700 planes in the book. It's a couple Uh and they're all pre-programmed. And Eric's like, how could they know? How could they know? Andrew says, It's not breaking news. Breaking news doesn't have titles. Breaking news is breaking news. That's the title. Mm -hmm. All of these have titles and are pre-programmed. They could have looked on the TV guide and seen, hey, this was playing. We have to do this at this exact time. Mm -hmm. And that's why they check their watches 150 Uh fucking times every five minutes. And on top of that, you find out the whole Leonard thing where when they find the gun, everyone's like, whoa, where did you get the gun? Andrew's like, put down, I'll shoot you. And she's like, she blows her own head off. That's how Adrian dies. She shoots herself in the head. And she says... It wasn't Redmond, because they'll assume it was Redmond. She was like, I was with Redmond the entire time. We walked next to each other. Mm
1: -hmm. He never
0: went away. Leonard was the one who Mm -hmm. took off running. He said, I have to go take care of something. I'll be right back.
1: completely different
0: So doesn't that make you think, hey, maybe this was planned?
1: Right. It seems like that's what they were going Mm -hmm. for in the book, is that it was all planned. It Mm -hmm. wasn't actually real.
0: Mm -hmm. But you never conclusively find out who put the gun there. You never conclusively find out if humanity was ever going to have a plague, because the clouds, when they're leaving and they decide they're not going to make a sacrifice, there are dark clouds overhead. But earlier in the book, you find out that, uh, and during the first, the second day where all of this takes place, the book only happens in two days, the movie takes place mm-hmm. in two days, you find out that there is uh, an overcast and you can't see very far because there's mm-hmm. a lot of fog and the clouds are coming in. It's very dark. But in the movie, it's straight up thundering and lightning and the clouds mm-hmm. are moving in extremely fast and then when they decide to make the sacrifice, they part and the sunlight comes out and I just think that the ambiguity of the book is so important and the ambiguity in the movie is just but not I there. I don't like that. I don't want the definitive ending. I would ending.
1: hate finishing a book and being like, what, really, what was really happening? Like, no. I would hate that. I love that the movie actually, you definitively know, like, yes, the world was going to end. The book has... It was real. I don't the, like not knowing.
0: But the book has... The ambiguity, I think, is important because then the reader can decide what's going to happen. If you read mm. that book, you'd be at the end and be like, I'm going to assume that they did stave off the end of the world because you can tell that uh, th- there are clouds, but it starts to recede a little bit. The plane crashes that were happening were what he was mentioning, the fall from the sky. Like There are signs that can show you, but there's also signs to put it in doubt. I think it's up to the reader. In my mind, I don't think there was ever plague, and this was a planned home invasion, and that wow. Leonard just kind of took the front seat because he— because. He was probably one of Redmond's friend because, as we know, he's a bartender and mm-hmm. a teacher, and Redmond is a, basically a drunk. Mm-hmm. And the other one's a line cook at a restaurant, mm-hmm. but we never know what the restaurant is. And they very obviously have lied about who they are and because o-
1: love to drink. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
0: but Obannon is lying about his name. So who else knows what they're lying about? They mentioned they met on a message board. Like it's very, yeah. very leaning towards this isn't real. But there's never conclusively said because they truly don't know the performance they give in the book, they truly make it seem like they don't know who Redmond is or like mm-hmm. what his real identity is. And he doesn't have his wallet on it, on him. So you never inclu- conclusively know who mm-hmm. Redmond is, if he is abandoned or not.
1: See, I wouldn't, I hate, I hate assuming, I hate getting to the end of the book and being like, well, did this happen? Or did this happen? Even, like the assuming, I hate, I hate it. I want to know definitively. But you do in the movie because M. Night Shyamalan
0: literally holds your hands through the ending where... Eric or Andrew's going through everyone's stuff and it's like Leonard's teacher degree and it's signed by a bunch of people or intramural championship thing and it's like signed by all his players mm-hmm. and then you find the, the picture of um, what's her face with her son you mm-hmm. find the badge for O'Bannon working at the place he said he worked at you find the mm-hmm. nurse's badge where she was a nurse and you're like okay so this truly was the end of the world he holds your hand to the ending, he, and you wanted that. I get that. I and there's nothing. That. No, but there's nothing wrong with that. But <laughs> I, as a viewer, actually do enjoy ambiguous endings. I like having to come right. up with a reason why this was all happening.
1: Right, and that's because like he has like the most unreal imagination I've ever ever ha- <laughs> met in a person. <laughs> and a huge I problem. just, Thank you. I just don't have that imagination. So he probably loves when a, a thing's a, ambiguous, and he can, put my he on. can run with like what he thinks in his head. Meanwhile, you have me, who's a very straightforward, black-and-white thinker, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, I need to know what happens, or I'm gonna just... I'm gonna hate this movie. I'm gonna yes. be confused. I'm gonna, yes. like... I have so many questions. I need my questions answered. Yes. That is how I live my life. I hate and questions. you
0: don't want... You don't want things to I like to know. Yeah.
1: And so I think I actually would have liked the movie more than the book.
0: I think you would have, too. I get that. I just like... I like that I felt shattered. <laughs> I like feeling bad, <laughs> and the book just ruined you. I even tweeted at Paul G. Tremblay and he liked it. It was just like, you shattered me and it's five in the morning. Like, why'd you do that? And okay. he was like, he liked it. And to me, I like feeling that way. I like feeling Whoa. like, damn, I'm broken. This book <laughs> destroyed me. But I, I liked the movie. I thought the ending of the movie fit what they were doing in the movie. Mm-hmm. It was always for certain, in my opinion, that the cards are on the table. This is the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And Andrew, even Eric even says, to Andrew, what if this has been happening for all of time? And that families have always been forced to make that decision. Mm-hmm. And I, I enjoy that. I don't mind that. It's very Cabin in the woods If you haven't seen that movie, go watch that. But I yeah, I think that the movie does what the movie does, and it does it well, and it doesn't mm-hmm. work. But someone who as someone who enjoyed the book more, I think the book was better than the movie. With all that said, this is the end.
1: With all that said, Daddy Andrew deserved to die, and Daddy Eric should have lived. Wow.
0: Okay. <laughs> so that's it. We're going to wrap this up, guys. Um, thank you for listening. And go watch this movie if you haven't. Give me five stars wherever you're listening to me. Recommend this to friends. Follow me on Instagram at ThatBoyKyle777. Follow the podcast at With a Side of Franchise. I'm on Twitter at uh, JustKyle77. Follow me on Letterboxd at ThatBoyKyle777. I'm on TikTok at KyleClifford1. And yeah, share, subscribe, like, whatever you guys want to do. Message me with, uh, if you guys want us to do another movie. And I look forward to seeing you again. And Cass, I'm sure you look forward to coming on and telling me you liked it over and over again.
1: (laughs) And with that being said, I liked this movie.
0: (laughs) Okay. Peace (laughs) out.